listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Come on, shout amen in the house. What a conference. What a conference. What a Jesus. What a Jesus. What a privilege it is to be able to kind of close out. I don't know how to say those words, close out what's happening, because the amen of this is not the end. The amen of this is just the new beginning that God is going to do in each and every one of our lives. So much life-changing content. I pray that you are leaving so stuffed that you're going to enjoy this for weeks to come. You're going to go over your notes. That's why we gave you those packets. Go over those notes and just revisit every one of these things because maybe you may say, well, that kind of just went over my head. That didn't really mean nothing to me. Keep those notes because there's a day coming where you're going to need to know about the condition of your heart. You're going to need to remind yourself about your purpose. You're going to need to know what it is about the cost that was paid for your freedom. You're going to have to know these things that have been shared. And and, and I'm so glad. You know, today I just want to try and bring everything together. I want to talk about how can we see sustained change? How can change be sustained. What do I mean by sustained change? Not something that's here today and then gone tomorrow, but something that will continue to manifest itself, something that will bring about great results and great return in our lives. So put your hand on your heart. You're going to pray for yourself. The seed, the word is going to go out. The type of the soil, your heart is up to you. And I pray that you would prepare your hearts to receive. Dear Heavenly Father, we open up our hearts to you. God, we just thank you that you are awesome, that you are incredible. And God, we've heard so much today. But God, we pray that it would not be just what we hear, but we pray it would be what we do. It would be what we are as we live free in you. God, today is our freedom. Today is our moment. And we love you. We embrace that. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Come on, shout amen. Amen. High five three people around you and say sustained change. Sustained change. Sustained change. I love the scripture for this conference when Rob came to me and he said, here's the theme. Here's what I want to do. Here's the scripture. Absolutely loved it. 1 Peter 2, 16. Live as People who are free. Now it could end there because we are free, but I love what it says. But don't use your freedom as a cover up for evil, but live as servants of God. That's the goal of this conference. That's why we do church. We want people to live free. We want you to be free in your life. But life happens. How many wish you could stay here for the rest of your life? Wouldn't have to go home. Wouldn't have to deal with the kids. How awesome is it dropping your kids off, waving goodbye and saying, I may come back. Anyone know what I'm talking about? It's wonderful. 
Life is great on a Sunday. Life is great when we're all together. But then we step outside of these doors and real life begins to happen. We've got the kids, we've got the pressures, we've got the struggles, we've got the job or no job, we've got the friends who are going to come call and we're still dealing with the hurts, the pains, all those kind of things. It's almost like we want to be in this spiritual bubble. But the Bible says those that worship God have to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Come on, we're in spirit right here. We're together. We're, oh, but then the truth, the rubber hits the road. So we don't want just a change in here. We want a change that's going to work out there. And I love the change that God wants to have in your life. Galatians 5, 1 has been mentioned, I think, three or four times already in this conference. But here's a word for every one of you. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. You're free. You've been liberated. God says, stand fast in that. Don't give up on that. Don't backtrack from that. Don't doubt that. Don't question that. Because it's a liberty that Christ has made you free. But then he goes on and says, do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Message Bible says this, Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. What a picture of freedom that God has, that you don't have to be enslaved again. You don't have to do those things again. You don't have to allow unforgiveness towards that person, animosity to come back into your heart. Why? Because Christ has set you free. So there is no past. It's just today forward. It's today forward. Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed. That word conformed means to be put in a box, to be put in a mold, to be fashioned and formed. Wow, the world wants to fashion us and form us into our old way of thinking and in our old way of living. But God says, I've set you free to be transformed. And here's how you're transformed. You've got to have a new way of thinking. You've got to think differently. You've got to let the mind of Christ, as we just heard, be alive inside of you. In other words, you've got to connect to a new source. And I want to talk today about the process of change. I've broken it down into three things, and we're going to be talking about each one of these in more depth. But I believe there's a process of change that we go through. There's what brings us to that place of change. That's the first step. Then what does that change look like as I begin to change and God does a work in my life? But then how do I live free? How do I live a changed life? life. So there's a process, what takes me there, what happens as a result of it, but what needs to be still taking place ongoing in my life. And just because we say we're living free doesn't mean we're living perfect. We're still going to stumble, we're still going to fall. But the real mistake is not when we fall, but it's when we stay down. And we've got to pick ourselves back up again and stand fast again in the freedom that Christ has set us free. So I want to read a story today from Genesis chapter 32. A lot of you probably know this, but let me give you some background. It's about two brothers, Jacob and Esau. Esau the oldest, Jacob the youngest. What a name to have, Jacob. Means deceiver, not a good name. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, not a good name. (laughs) Maybe like your name. Maybe for some of you, you're here today and you don't have a good name. It's not a good reputation. I was talking to someone earlier uh, and I said, just how are you enjoying this? 
And they looked at me and they said, my family are just waiting for me to mess up again. But I have never felt so much love. I have never felt so much support and encouragement as I do when I come in here. And I looked that young man square in the face and I said, because we're your new family. How many knows that your name may not be good out there? People may be just waiting for you to fail. But come on, God's not waiting for you to fail. He's waiting for you to succeed. Put your chest back and realize who you are. So every day, Jacob's carrying that stigma. Oh, there he is. That's the deceiver, because that's what his name meant. But it's not the end of the story. He tricks his brother, steals his birthright. He tricks his dad, steals the blessing. His dad says, come over here. And he comes and his dad grabs him and he says, man, feels like Esau because he put goat skin on his neck. Smells like Esau because he wore his clothes. But his dad says that voice sure sounds like Jacob. But he gave them the blessing. Esau comes back. He's not happy. There was only one birthright. There was only one blessing. The firstborn got it all. Esau's like, give me a blessing. No, I've already blessed what I thought was you. Esau says, I'm going to kill you. I'll wait till dad dies, but your days are numbered. So Jacob flees. He runs. He goes to his mother's brother's house, Laban. When he's there, here's the story. You ready? He falls in love. Always the case. He falls in love. Who does he fall in love with? Rachel. But who did he get? Leah. Oops, that's a one for the books right there. So he works hard and he gets Rachel. God blesses him. Everything he does is blessed. But then one day he says, I I need to leave and I need to go home. And on his way home, he gets word that his brother Esau is coming to meet him with 400 men. How many knows that's not a welcoming party? That's a war party. That's an army that's coming to try to destroy him. So what does he do? He prays. He remembers God. He cries out to God. It doesn't matter what gets us to our knees. The most important thing is we stay there. I'm in trouble, so what do I do? Who am I going to call? Not Ghostbusters. I'm going to call Jesus. So then he is in a battle. As the Bible says, he wrestles and he fights with God. And that's the story I want to read today. Genesis 32, beginning in verse 25. Now, when God saw that... Let me jump back to verse 24, sorry. Then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the break of day. And when God saw he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched him in the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with God. And God said, let me go for the day breaks. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So God said to Jacob, what is your name? And he says, Jacob. And God says, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, deceiver. But instead, Israel, prince with God. For you have struggled with God and with men and you have Prevail. Verse 29, pretty interesting. Then Jacob turns it around and he says, tell me your name. And God says, why is it that you ask 
my name. You see, here's something you've got to see here. It's not about God in this situation. It's about Jacob. This whole conference is about you. It's about what God wants to do in your life. We like to pun it off to everyone else. Well, how about you? How about you? No, God's saying, how about you? What's going on with you? How many times do people look at you and say, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. No, you're not. So many times we make it about doing it for everyone else. So we excuse the issues and the pain that's really going on inside of us. And that's what God is saying. It doesn't matter what my name is. You just need to know who you are right now and see your place and your position. And the Bible says, and God blessed him right there. So Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life has been preserved. And just as Jacob crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip. All of this stuff that was going on in Jacob's life brings Jacob to a place where he has a face-to-face encounter with God. It starts as a wrestling match. I thought about that. It's amazing how many times we fight the things or resist those things that are trying to bring the best into our lives. How many times do we resist that friend who calls because they have the good intention, but we resist it and we fight against what's our help. Have you ever found a dog that's been hit on the side of a road? You try and help that dog and what will it do? It will bite. It will respond that way. Why? Because it's hurt. It doesn't understand the love that you have. How many times do we fight against that which really is our help, our answer, our support, our future, everything that we need? But Jacob doesn't see it. We don't see it. Why? Because we're screwed up. We're so full of ourselves. We're so full of our pain, our problems, our adversities. We can't see beyond the moment. Let's look at the process of change. What brings us to the place of change? That was the first question we asked. Here is the answer. You ready? Many times a crisis. A crisis in our lives. How true is that? For many of us, we thought life was great until all of a sudden social services came around and said, if you don't get off drugs, I'm going to take your kids. We thought everything was going well until the doctor's report comes and says it's a mass. It's not looking good. We've given you a limited time to live. It's looking good till all of a sudden we're at a funeral of a young man and we're looking and saying, that's my buddy. That's my friend. I was just shooting up. I was just hanging out with him last week. How come? How come? It's looking good until... We're beside the wrong side of some bars and we're looking out as we're being locked away. It's looking good till the boss says, hey, there's no job for you anymore. You don't show up half the time. We, we can't employ you. It's looking good until all of a sudden you realize you come home and everyone's gone. Your wife, your kids, your family. That's called a crisis. That's called a crisis. That's a crossroads in your life. Many times the crossroads, the crisis, that time of something out of our control brings us to our knees and makes us realize, hold on a second, I have to change. What do they say? Most people won't change until they hit rock bottom. So stubborn. But a crisis can drive us to our knees. And so what does he do? He finds himself in a fight. He's in a crisis. His brother's coming. He's going to kill him. He's going to take care of everything and everything's going to be gone. He's worked for his life. He's in a crisis. 
And he finds himself in a fight. He's wrestling. He's wrestling. I want you to know something. If you're in a fight with God, you're fighting a battle that you will never win. Verse 24, and the man wrestled with Jacob until the break of day. Picture of Jacob is this, just like so many of us, we're still so stubborn and we don't give in. We still just want to fight. We want to make it happen. Come on, I can do this. I can get my kids back. I can get another job. I can do this. Even though there's a crisis, we still so many times want to keep fighting, fighting, fighting. I wonder how many of you right now are facing something you can't kick. I wonder how many of you are facing something you know you can't prevail over, that you cannot beat, but yet it's beating you down. So what does Jacob do? Like what most of us do, he keeps fighting. He keeps fighting. He keeps fighting. What should he have done? What should we do? Submit and say, God, I don't want to fight you anymore. I don't want to fight, God. You're trying to get my attention and trying to touch my life and change. God, I submit. I yield. Remember what it was like as a kid and you used to wrestle and fight. And remember someone would pin you down and you would say, I submit. Or that you would say, do you submit? Do you submit? And then they would choke you a little bit more until you submit. Man, I I was one of those kind of kids that, man, I almost had to black out before I would submit. I was one of those kids that, man, I almost had to be dead before I'd submit. Why? Because I didn't want to give in to someone. I wanted to prevail. And it used to be the hardest thing to say those words out of my mouth. I submit. And you know what? Most times the next words out of my mouth would be, come on, let's do it again. (laughs) Let's do it again. I'm going to take you this time. Just playing with you last time. Come on, bring it on now. See where you're at. Come on. Put them up. Put them up. But submission is a place where we have to get to. Which, as I said, can be very hard unless we realize today who we are submitting our lives to. Look at this statement. God will never make you comfortable in the mess that you are in. God loves you too much to leave you screwed up. He has too much invested in you to leave you broken. So what gets us to a place where we realize we need to change? Many times a crisis. A crisis. Thank God for the crisis. I said thank God for the crisis. Our church is full of people who had a crisis and have found Jesus. Thank God for the crisis of life. But the next stage is this. How does that change take place? What happens? How does it look? What does it look like in my life? I'm going to give you some points today. First, it looks like confession. If you want change in your life, you've got to confess it. Verse 27, so God said to Jacob, what is your name? And Jacob said, that's exactly it. My name is Jacob. Picture this. I often look at scripture and just laugh and, and, and picture myself in that. You're in the middle of a fight. You're fighting for your life. You're in the middle of everything. How many knows that fight conversation isn't like, what's your name? You, you don't care who you're beating up. You don't care what's going on. If you're fighting with someone, the conversation is like your mama's ugly. Come on, you're, you're ugly. I'm taking you down. This is it. The last breath you're going to breathe. But all of a sudden, hey, what's going on, man? Where do you live? What's your name? Where do you work? I mean, it's a strange conversation that's happening in the middle of a fight. But this is key for your future. You've got to realize your name today. 
Because Jacob says these words, I'm Jacob. He says, I'm a deceiver. I'm a taker. I'm not right. I'm broken. I'm a mess. Everything I have, I've tricked, I've schemed, I've done. And he comes clean with his life and says, that's exactly who I am. I'm telling you right now, look at this. Change will never take place in your life until you admit your faults and admit who you are. I'm Jacob. I'm broken. Remember, we're submitting to what? A God that can change us. There has to be a confession in our mouth. We have to invite God in. He won't go against our will. God, I'm Jacob. I need your help. This is such an important part of the process that God uses to change us. Because we will never change until we honestly face and admit our faults, our sins, our weaknesses, our mistakes. Because really what Jacob is saying is this, Lord, I have a problem, I'm in a mess, and I admit I have made it for myself. And then when we realize that, God says, okay, great. Now I can begin to move. I can begin to do something. You ever notice how easy it is to blame everyone else? (laughs) My name's Jacob, but my mum gave that to me. I'm kind of struggling, but that's their fault. I tried to say a while back that the reason people had issues in their life was their mum didn't breastfeed them. I mean, every excuse that there possibly could be. Every excuse to take the blame off of you and your actions and your response. If I can make it about everyone else, but God says, no, what's your name? What's your name? Why are you here? What's your problem? What is your name? Oh, it's not my fault as we point the finger and we blame everyone else. But I'm telling you right now, confession is key. It's a necessity to change. Until you can say, God, I need your help. I'm a sinner. And I need, as Blake said, to be saved by your grace. In myself, God, I am nothing. But it's amazing. Have you ever thought about, why do we confess to God? Why why confess to God? Because the last time I checked, God already knows everything that's going on. So why do we confess to God? It's because he needs to hear us say, you're right, God, and I need your help. He needs a surrendered will. He needs to be invited in to bring a change. You see, confession unlocks the power, which is the ability to change. It unlocks his power in each and every one of our lives. And now we can begin to be the person that God created us to be. So first, there has to be the confession. Then there has to be point B. There has to be the cooperation. We've got to cooperate with that. Oh, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. Come on, that's the Christian atheist. Say you believe in God, but you live as though he doesn't exist. How many people are living a life of hell and expecting the rewards of heaven? It doesn't happen. You've got to start cooperating with God. You see, God started to change Jacob the moment he admitted that he was wrong. And admitted who he was, but Jacob then had to cooperate with the plan and in the plan of God. Jeremiah 29, 11. You love that one? I love it. I know the plan God says I have for you. It's a plan to prosper you. It's to give you a future. It's to give you a hope. I haven't written you off. God says, I have written you in. But listen to me. Jeremiah 29, 11 is his plan for your life. But you've still got to buy into that plan. You've got to accept that plan and say, that's who I am. I'm not Jacob anymore. That's who I am. You've got to cooperate and move in 
to the plans and the purpose of God. Verse 30, so Jacob called the name of that place Peniel. He said, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Face to face with God. Eventually, every one of us needs to come face to face with God because when we do, that's when we can be changed face to face, an encounter, an experience that we realize, hold on a second, God wants to help me. God wants to strengthen me. I don't want to fight against that anymore. God, I confess you as Savior, but now God, I follow you with my life. I want to be obedient to you. I want to be, God, whatever you want me to do, God, I'm in. I I, I want that. I want to be that. And really, God is saying to Jacob at this time, Now we've got you out of the way. I can get down to business. You see, cooperation, trust. Come on, say that with me, trust. Trust, you've got to trust God. And God says this, if you trust me and if you follow me, Jacob, or Israel now, God says, I will bless you. That's a promise of God. Why would God bless me? Because he loves you. Because God doesn't see the past anymore. God sees who you are and who you were made to be. And God wants to bless your life. God's not blessing the sin that's been exposed and confessed. God's blessing the walk that you are now living and saying, God, I want to live for you. Come on. God didn't tell Jacob, you go in your own strength and you go in your own willpower. (laughs) How many times do we try and make it on willpower? Willpower will never bring lasting change. If we could do it with willpower, Jesus would have never had to come and die on a cross because we could have taken care of our own sins. We could have done our own things. But you see what willpower does is willpower deals with the outward circumstances where real God-sustained change deals with the inward. Come on, we think if I can just get away from those friends, I've got the willpower to make it, but more friends are going to find you. It's more than just what's separating yourself, as important as those things are. But something has to take place deep down inside of you. If not, you're just going to be back on that cycle. And you know what I'm talking about. For some of you, it may be a month, six months, whatever. And you're really doing well and you've got a great job and everything's going great. And then, bam, here you are again. But you pick yourself up and everything's going. Why is that? Because you're trying to do it in your own strength. You're not cooperating. You've confessed, but you're not cooperating and following the plan of God. God says, here's the blessing I want to give you. Verse 28, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. You're no longer a deceiver. You're now a prince. You're now my man. You're now my son. You're now my daughter. You're a daughter of God. If I'm a prince, I'm the daughter of the king. If I'm a princess, rather, I'm a daughter of the king. If I'm a prince, I'm the son of the king. And we're not just talking about an earthly king. We're talking about the king of kings and lord of lords that looks at you and says, no longer what you were, but I see who I made you to be. Prince, royalty, chosen, blessed, not broken and screwed up. Jacob, you'll never be the same again because an encounter with God will leave you completely changed. Remember Galatians 5, don't be... Enslaved again. I'm standing fast in the liberty. I don't want to be entangled again. I want to follow God's plan. I want to follow God's purpose for my life. Philippians 1 6. 
We can be confident of this very thing, that he who has begun started something today, yesterday, last night, inside of you. God says, I want to keep working on that if you'll work with me. Can we do this together? It's like the pedals on a bicycle. God says, I will when you will. Together we can make it. Together we can see this through. Work with God. Work with God. Here's the third part. Are you ready? So we've got to confess. We've got to cooperate. Yeah. And then the next thing is we've got to make a commitment. Yeah. We've got to make a commitment. I'm, I'm just not doing it today. I'm not just doing it. And then tomorrow I go back to where I am. This is a new me. Yeah. Come on, I've deleted those. In fact, I haven't just deleted those numbers as Chad challenged us or someone challenged us off our phone. I haven't just deleted those numbers off my phone. I've got a new number. Come on, this is a new me. This is a new life. I'm making a commitment to something greater. Because you see, when Jacob realized who he was fighting with, what did he say? He says, I will not let you go until, until you bless me. There's something about commitment and persistence. Hanging in there. He didn't like where he was. And you probably don't like where you are at right now. It was frustrating him. It was getting him down. But he totally committed to sticking it out and trusting God to turn around everything for good. I'm committed to it. I'm not going back. Too many of us cooperate for a season. But when we don't see the results that we think should be happening, we quit. We quit. There's the flip side of that too. A lot of people quit when... Good things happen. One of the biggest problems with recovery ministry is this. We get our lives right, we get a job, and then we forget God. Because all of a sudden now the crisis is gone because now I'm taking care of myself. Because we're no longer cooperating with His plan and committed to His plan. We're now committed to our plan. I'm going to get my family back. I'm going to get my money back. I'm going to show them. The worst thing that we can ever do in life is live to prove other people wrong. Because now we're making them our God, they're our idol. We are living for them instead of living for God. You want to prove people wrong? You live for God. Fall in love with God. You'll prove people wrong. Why? Because God will do the proof for you. Make that commitment in your life. Galatians 6 verse 9, let us not grow weary while what? Doing good, the right thing, committed to doing that thing over and over and over again. Why? For in due season we're going to reap if we what? Don't lose heart. So many people dig their seed out of the ground before they see the results. Before there has to be a shoot, there has to be a root. We don't see what's happening under the soil. We just want to see what's happening above the soil. So when we don't see it happen and we get our fingers and we start messing around a little bit and we start pushing apart and the first thing we ask is this, is there a seed even in there? And then when we realize that, we ask ourselves, is the seed dead? Is it going to produce? But you know what happens when we dig in the dirt? We destroy what God is doing. You see, we've got to keep our seed in the ground. We've got to be committed every day. Well, God, it's not happening as I want it to happen. Listen, the reason you're in your mess that you are is because of what you wanted. 
So now you want God just to condone that and say, okay, check of my stamp of approval. God's not going to condone anything that he hasn't birthed. God isn't going to condone anything that he hasn't desired for your life. Because if he does, he's not God. Because God said, I don't have to repent and change who I am. I'm the same yesterday, today and forever. I know who you are. I know what I've called you to. You just got to know who you are and make a confession to who I am. And then you've got to con- what? cooperate with that and stay committed to the cause. And God gets your attention through a crisis. He doesn't always solve your problem immediately. But sometimes he waits for this reason to see if you really mean business. Oh, God's just toiling with me. No, he's not. God's going to do his part. God's going to touch you and change you. But you've got to realize God can't do it all for you. We want a spiritual ATM machine. We just want to go up and press some buttons and get some money. I remember when ATMs first came out. Man, showing my age right now. I remember before cell phones. There you go, showing my age right now. But I remember when ATMs came out, I had a little account. Mum used to put some money in. I absolutely loved ATM. To me, it was like money for free. Didn't work, didn't, just put it in. And one day I suddenly went and put some numbers in and nothing came out and it swallowed my card. Anyone ever been there? I was like offended by that. I was like, what's up with that? Go in and see the bank manager. Sorry, sir, there's no money in your account. What? You have to put money in there? I'm just thinking you press the buttons and you're just so good and you give it back. That's how we treat God so many times. As someone said, we rub the lamp and we want the genie to come out and say whatever you want. If God was to give us the wish of what we want when we're broken and wrong, we would never get to be where he needs us to be. But yet we live in an instant society, don't we? We want it now. We want instant food. We want instant internet. We want instant success. Let me tell you something about salvation. Forgiveness is immediate. (laughs) Confess and and you're saved. But sanctification is the process that we're talking about right now that needs to be walked out in your life. As God wants to clean you up and help you and establish you and make you as He works with you, as you cooperate, as you commit to God, because God is still in the changing business. Last time I checked, you didn't get in this mess overnight, and you're maybe not going to get completely out of it overnight. But God is what? Peeling back the layers, as Sarah said, piece by piece. He's restoring me. He's changing you in the process. I could preach a whole message on this. We are all about result where God's about process. We want to arrive and God's more interested in how we arrive. And that's the difference that we have. God, can you just get me there? And I'll say, praise God. And God says, no, if I get you there and nothing's changed inside of you, you won't praise me, but I'm going to do something to get you there that something will happen inside of you that when you do arrive, you will still be praising me and you will still be thanking me. Isaiah 40, 31, but those who wait on the Lord, they're the ones that renew their strength. Wait on God. Stay committed. Hang in there. Trust God. I need to end this today. Point number three. So the process is, how do we get to that change? A crisis. What happens in the change? God wants our cooperation. God needs our confession and God needs our commitment. And the last thing that we're going to look at is how then do I live free? 
How do I take all that and still live a life that's changed? Verse 31, just as he crossed over Penile, the sun rose up on him and he what? He limped on his hip. Here's the last point today. You ready? If you're going to make it, you've got to have a confidence in God. Paul said these words, I know in whom I believe. And I'm persuaded. In other words, you can't persuade me any other way. I know in whom I believe. I am persuaded that my God is able. You've got to leave here with such a confidence in God, knowing that what God wants to be and do for your life each and every day. Verse 25 tells us that God was wrestling with him. And what did God do? God, when he saw he wasn't prevailing, he struck him in the socket of his hip. They say the hip muscle is one of the most powerful bodies or muscles in the human body. That's where we get all of our strength from. The drive for our lives comes right here. The greatest place of strength that's generated. And what does God do? He just touches that. Isn't it amazing the strengths that we thought were strengths? That God has to just expose and show to each and every one of us how those things are really a weakness. And are really something that is causing us problems. But you know why God touched his hip? Because God wanted Jacob, now Israel, to be reminded every day that every step you take, you can't do it on your own. Now every step, you've got to trust in me. You want a new job? You've got to trust me for it. Who, who you want to marry, you've got to trust me for that. You don't need to be doing all those things on your own because we know where your own got you. But now we need to be reminded, we need to be trusting on God, on His power. Why? Because the old Jacob, if there was ever a problem, here he was. He just ran away. When things got tough at home with Esau, he just ran to Laban. When stuff got tough with Laban, he ran. What was his nature? He was a runner. That's like most of us. We run from one thing to the other and to the other. But God looked at Jacob and said, you ain't going to run no more, buddy. Because I'm going to take your ability away from you. That even if you're trying to run now, you're limping at best. What the world says is handicapped. God says, is my man and my woman. Come on, what the world says, oh, look at them now. (laughs) Where's all their stuff they used to have? Oh, I see. What about your life? What's that one thing that you need God to do the most in your life? Do you want his help? Do you want to change? Because if you want to change, God's going to bring you to a crisis. That's why we're here, isn't it? I said, that's why we're here, isn't it? We're in a crisis. So what are we going to do? Confess. I need Jesus. Work with Jesus as I cooperate. I'm making a commitment. So I can get to a place of confidence. Completely trusting and depending on him. The greatest thing that you can leave this conference with is not a full notebook. It's not a couple of Chick-fil-A sandwiches because we've got plenty left when you leave. It's not a couple of numbers from someone. It's not an iced coffee from Cafe Hope. You know the best thing that you can leave this conference with? Is a limp. Why? 
Because <laughs> I came in here feeling really big and bad about myself and had a different identity. But God is changing the person who I am. And every day I wake up, I'm reminded, God, I can't do this without your strength. But every day he gives me the strength to make it. When I face troubles and hardships, I'm reminded I can't do it on my own. But then I remember the limp. And I remember, hold on a second, God promised he would never leave me. He would never forsake me. Never forsake me. Could you imagine the story that Jacob had? Now called Israel because of his limp. What happened to you? Can I tell you what happened to me? I had a face-to-face encounter with God. And I'm a changed person. You see, they saw something physical in him as a result of the change. I believe people will see something not only spiritual but physical in you. They'll see a change. You look different. Wow, you talk different. You dress different. You act different. What's up with you? I have a limp. Because I had a face-to-face encounter with God. And as a result, I'm never the same. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, but look what he writes. In Philippians 4, 12 and 13. I know how to be abased. And I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I've learned both to be full and both to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. In other words, he says, I know how to be on the top. I know how to be way on the bottom. And every other dimension in between. But here's what I've concluded in my life. The only way I can live and the only thing I want is this. I want to do all things through Christ. Come on, it's not me anymore. I want to do it through Christ, who's the one that will give me the strength. You can only do it through him. Would you bow your heads all over this place? Doesn't matter what got you there. Come on, I said it doesn't matter what's got you here. We've all got a past. I said we all have a past. How that looks may be different, but we all have a past. We've all done things, said things, lived things that are sinful. And sin is that which separates us from God. But all we need and what we've had this weekend, I believe, is an encounter with God. A face-to-face experience. Someone caught me last night and tears rolling down their face. And they said, Pastor Philip, I have never been in anything like this in my life. I have never felt anything like this before in my life. And I looked at that lady and I said, it's just the beginning. (laughs) It's just the beginning. Because God wants to continually change you. But I don't want anyone to leave this conference without having a face-to-face encounter with God. I don't want anyone to leave here without saying, you know what, I've met God. Because you need to have a confidence. You need to know that you've had an experience with God. You don't need to leave here saying, did I or did I not? You need to know. I'm telling you, God is a God that will leave you so changed that you will know. I've got an uncle that's really cool. His name's Uncle D. He's one of those people that... When you come in his contact and you just come around him, he just lights up a room. He lights up everywhere he goes. He, he is one of the greatest people that you could ever be around. 
And here's how my conversation goes with people when I talk about Uncle D. And they kind of look at me and I said, do you know Uncle D? And they say to me, man, maybe, no, you don't know him. Come on, I say straight away, no, you don't know him. Because if you knew Uncle D, you wouldn't be, he leaves a lasting memory, an impression that you'll never forget. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Do you know him today? Because he doesn't want just to know you. He wants for you to experience his blessing. Because God wants every one of us to walk out of here with a new name. And you need a new name for what reason? Because now you have a new identity. Because now you're living free. You're living for Christ. Here's what I want to do. I want us to find a place to pray. If you want to come to this altar, and I'm inviting everyone. If you want to come to this altar, come to this altar. If you want to turn around where you're at and kneel, if you want to stand, if you want to lay on your face, whatever you need to do. Here's what I'm asking is, would you just have a face-to-face encounter with God? Would you just get alone? Would you say, again, God, everything I've heard, everything I've been taught, everything I've seen through this weekend, I don't want it to go in one ear and out the other. God, I want it to take root in my life because I can't leave here the same way in which I came in. Come on, I've got to leave change. Come on, would you come all over this place or make an altar right where you're at? But come on, do something. Move in some way to symbolize the fact, God, I'm trusting you. I'm giving my life. I'm surrendering to you. God, I'm pouring my heart out to you. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At HeartSeas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.